This is SRN News. Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC. Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary's latest book is The Customer Conundrum, Nine Crucial Steps for Winning Customers and Outsmarting Your Competition. He's also the author of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now, here's Gary Smith. Saturday, uh, it's good to uh, good to have you all on board today. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in to The Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK in Hartford. Um, my name is Gary Smith. I'll be your host for today. Uh, also, behind the controls today, Eric Jenkins. Eric, thanks for being here today and uh, for helping out. Uh, Eric is kind of the pilot of this ship, so he gets to fly and I get to flap my gums. How about that? <laughs> So we should have a good time today. Uh, and again, thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Saturday morning. You know, uh, Hopefully you're up and have had your first cup of coffee and you're wide awake. So uh, grab a tablet and a piece of pay, uh, a pencil or a pen or something and sit down and get ready to take some notes. We're going to have some uh, some fun talking today. As we enter part two of the management methods of Jesus, we started it uh, last week, uh, and I'm actually using as a, as a source and doing some quoting from um, from a fellow named Bob Briner, who actually um, wrote the book, uh, The Management Methods of Jesus. And uh, you know, last week we were talking about things like you know having a plan, being prepared. Uh, you know, having a plan so important. Uh, those people who fail to plan plan to fail. Uh, you don't. Uh, you have to have a plan uh, if you're going to be successful in life. And as I think I mentioned last week, I know uh, I think most people spend more time planning their summer vacations than they do planning their lives. And so, having a plan for your life and keeping that plan dynamic, being open to changes as opportunities present themselves and as you learn things and uh, have different desires and passions and things like that is important. But having a plan and then preparing yourself to achieve that plan, uh, things like that, you know, learning how to teach. Um, you know, learning how to deal with people as far as how do you establish authority? How do you deal with communication? Uh, how do you found uh, your life and your business on, uh, on absolutes, principles that are kind of the bedrock of, of who you are and, and those sorts of things? So we're going to continue that today, but you know, sort of in answer to the question that some of you who maybe weren't listening last week have, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what are we going to learn from Jesus? I mean, Jesus was basically an itinerant preacher. What are we going to learn for him from him as far as uh, management is concerned? But stop and think about what Jesus accomplished. Um, you know, just look at the things that he did. I mean, by any, any measurement standard, according to Bob Reiner, by any measurement standard, the empirical evidence bears witness 
that the organization founded by Jesus is the most successful of all time. Longevity, 2,000 years and counting. Wealth, beyond calculation. Numbers, beyond counting. Loyalty of adherence, many give their lives for it. Distribution, worldwide, in every country, and I'd say nearly in every language. Uh, Diversification, successfully integrated into all kinds of enterprises. Therefore, Jesus Christ reigns supreme as the greatest manager the world has ever known. Uh, so when you think about that, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty strong indication, I think, that we can learn a whole lot from, uh, from Jesus as far as management is concerned. And we wrapped up our conversation last week uh, talking about handling corruption uh, and you know, when there is clear, refutable, irrefutable evidence of any kind of corruption within the corporation, move immediately to handle it. Never, ever, ever try to cover it up. And we talked about that, you know, in some of the, um, you know, especially now that we're approaching the 2016 election, some of the stuff that's going on out there uh, where people on both sides of the aisle are being criticized for things that they've done and said in the past. And uh, some of the people are willing to, you know, admit it and get it over with and kind of get it behind them. And other people have tried to cover things up. And, and you know, the more you try to cover things up, the worse things get. Uh, so the best thing to do is just step up to the plate and, and hit the ball and deal with it. So let's move on today uh, in our exploration of this really, really neat little book. And the next topic we want to uh, talk about is don't sugarcoat things. Um, you know, Jesus told his disciples over and over about the terribly difficult days ahead, not only for himself, but for them. And he didn't promise an easy path. You know, he he did not, you know, try to sugarcoat things and and make his disciples think that something was going to happen, that it was all going to be, you know, going to be fun and roses and champagne and caviar. He said things are going to get tough, you know, so toughen yourselves up and, and get ready for it so that when it comes, you'll be prepared for it. And whether it's in our personal lives or whether it's in our business lives, I think that is really, really important that we uh, we face reality ourselves and that we ask our employees to face reality too by letting them know exactly what lies ahead for them. Uh, and if you are, say, you're a business owner and your company is going through a difficult time financially uh, well, and you're, you're wondering if you're going to be able to make the next payroll, um, you know, maybe you're trying to grow your business and you, you're struggling in, in that respect, let your people know. Because it, it not only helps them to buy into the things that are going on, but it lets them know why you're making some of the decisions that you're making. I mean, as an example, maybe there's a particular piece of equipment that one of your employees would really love to have, and it would make his or her job a whole lot easier. But because of the financial situation that the company is in, you can't afford to do that right now. Well, if you don't say anything to the employee and let them know, hey, you know, we can't afford that right now. I mean, I, I think it's a great tool, and as soon as we can afford it, I'll get it for you. But I can't make that investment right now because the company just doesn't have the money to be able to do it. Then the employee will appreciate that and will appreciate your honesty. But if you just don't say anything and if you're trying to kind of cover things up uh, because maybe you're embarrassed or maybe you know pride has gotten in your in your way a little bit, that employee is going to think that the reason you're not buying that tool or that piece of equipment is because you don't care about him or you're not listening to him. And so it becomes really, really important to not to not sugarcoat things. Uh, so 
doing that, I think, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with not covering it up. I advocate a lot, and I think I mentioned this last week, that it's really important to be open book with your associates and your employees. Um, You know, let them know what's going on in the business. Let them know what you're struggling with. Let them know what they can do to help to make things better. Um, that I think is, you know, is really, really important. Um, this past week I had a meeting with one of my clients where we actually uh, got together for pizza with, uh, you know, with his employees and we sat and went through some of the things that are going on with the business and asked them for their input and feedback, um, on what's going right, what's going wrong, how can we improve things? Uh, you know, what are the things we need to be thinking about for the future? When we look for, uh, look toward hiring maybe one or two more people for the business, uh, what, uh, what sort of characteristics, you know, not just a job description, but what sort of quality of person are we looking for? Uh, and I was amazed. Uh, the people in the business were so supportive and really, really care about the business. They gave us some great feedback, and I think that they really felt good that they were being included in what was going on, and that they're really, they really are being seen uh, by the ownership of the company as being partners in the business. And they also know at the same time the challenges that the business is facing, and they've got some great ideas about things that they can do. To help get things uh, over, as I mean, as, as one uh, one example, we were talking about how do we increase sales. We had set a goal to basically double the sales of the company within the next twelve months, and one of the employees was saying, you know, uh, as we talked, and I said, you know, where where are the components that are going to come from? I mean, you know, what percentage of extra business is out there that we can get just with the existing operation that we have? And what percentage of it is do we maybe need to go out and have an outside salesperson do some work for us? And they said about 30 percent. They felt about 30 percent of the increase in sales could come from ongoing efforts inside the company. And I said, well, what do those ongoing efforts look like? And one of them said, well, it's just a matter of taking and understanding who our customers are and what additional business we can be doing with them that we're not already doing. And then when we um, when we do a really good job for the customer and the customer comes to pick up their product and they're really happy and they're thanking us for what we're doing, just saying, hey, do you know of one other company out there who you could introduce us to who could use the products and services that we have to offer? And by doing that, leverage that whole concept of referral business, that referral marketing to be able to get where we need to go. You know, and so those kinds of ideas, you know, when you back them up with concrete actions that we can take are really, really great. And it gives us a framework to be able to work with. The next thing that the book talks about is getting away from it all. And this is something that um, I really find interesting, especially in the life of Jesus, because as we talked about last week, Jesus was only on this earth for 33 years. And for the first 30 years, you know, he was preparing himself for the work that he was going to do. And when he hit the ground running, he only had three years, three years to get things done. And yet, even with all he had to accomplish during that short three years, he still took plenty of time off. Um, He made sure that he had time alone uh, for prayer and reflection. He got sleep. Um, you know, and there were times when everyone else was awake, but Jesus was sleeping. I mean, the story about uh, he and his disciples out in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm kicks up, and the disciples think they're going to die, and where's Jesus? Back of the boat sleeping, taking a nap. You know, and so you need to, the application in our lives there is to take vacations, I mean real vacations, where you can unplug 
um, and really get away from the office. And that, you know, whether you're a business owner or whether you're an employee of somebody else, I think that that's important. Um, I think a lot of times, and I, I don't know about you, but I get tied to technology. And, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, I'll be sitting at home, you know, watching the news or watching a show on TV, and my wife and I will be there, and I'll be sitting there with a computer in my lap, and I need to learn. That's one of the areas I need to discipline myself is to say after a certain hour at night, the technology gets put away, uh, not only from the standpoint that I think it's beneficial for my relationship, you know, my marriage relationship, but I think that there are times when we need to go away and say, you know what, the computer's staying home. It's not going with me. I'm not going to check my email. Whatever it is, you know, is not so important that the world is going to come to an end if I take a few days and I don't go back and check it. Um, But we've become so dependent on technology today that a lot of times we have a real struggle doing that. So take time. Get away from it all. um, And really rest, relax, refresh yourself. And I found that that really feeds the creative juices is that, you know, once you've taken some time away and you get back, it gives you a completely new perspective on things. And that can really help. Uh, the next area uh, that uh, that Briner talks about in his book is field testing your staff. Uh, you know, the the thing with the disciples is, is that they still had things to learn and growing to do. But the field experience away from Jesus was of tremendous value. You know, he sent them out and gave them the opportunity to experience stuff, you know, to go out and to preach and to spread the word themselves and kind of get their feet wet. And and then he took the time to debrief them when they got back and they talked about things. And, you know, that's what you need to do when you're especially when you're bringing someone new into your business or when you know, when you're promoting someone to a new level Take the time to lay out your expectations for that individual. Uh, find out where where their weaknesses are. What are the things that they're struggling with? What are the things that they need to be able to learn? And work with them to help them get the skills that they need. But then as they get those skills, I mean, I've heard people make the comment that knowledge is power. That's a bunch of bunk. Knowledge is only potential power. Knowledge becomes power when you take it and you use it, and you start plugging it in, and you start seeing what works. And the, and the trick there is that you have to own the knowledge. And you can read, as an example, you can read books on sales, and they will say, well, this is how you should handle a customer, or hey, this is how you should handle a particular situation, or this is how you go about asking for the order uh, when you're in front of a customer. And that's knowledge, and it's all good stuff to, to know, but you have to take that and be able to personalize it, to integrate, in, integrate it into who you are as a person and then be able to look at it from the standpoint of, well, how does that work for me and how do I word it so that I'm comfortable with it and, and that I can use it effectively? And the only way you do that is through field testing. So it's great if you're a manager and you promote somebody um, to be able to work with them and say, you know, here's some of the skills that you need to learn. But now that you're beginning to learn this stuff, get out there and use it. Find out what works. Find out what doesn't work for you. Tweak the wording on it until you get comfortable with it. And then let's measure the results that you're getting and use that as a kind of a barometer to say, are you doing things right? Are you doing things wrong? Uh, and when you do that, you begin to develop that internal system uh, that will help you to be not only to be able to do things successfully yourself, but then as you grow with the business and you have people coming in uh, under you, you'll be able to pass those skills along to them. 
Another another thing that's really key, and this is something that uh, that Jesus was really good about, and that is pra- practice good public relations. You need to tell your story. Your company needs to tell its story and the story of its products and services. And the better that you can do that, uh, the more successful you're going to be as a person and as a company. Um, and that's one of the things I think that's really neat. I, I get an opportunity on a weekly basis to hear some very, very successful business people make presentations and tell a little bit about their stories. And I'm always amazed when people are willing to be open and transparent and talk about where they were, uh, where they have come from, how they have gotten there, and and what the benefit in their life has been from from the uh, particularly the failures that they've had. Uh, those things to me um, have a lot of meaning because it really shows the true character of who people are and uh, and not just the kind of the rah-rah of here's where I am and my life is great, but, you know, but hey, look at the pile of poo that I came from. Uh, you know, and, and the neat thing of it is is that they're not blaming anybody. They're just saying here's the circumstances, here's the cards I would dealt, here's how I have played those cards, um, and learning how to do that sort of thing. But to be transparent and tell part of your story in a compelling way is excellent, excellent uh, public relations. Um, you know, get good logistical support. I, I think, you know, a misconception that many people have, and one that I had for a long time, is that uh, Jesus traveled around Palestine fulfilling his plan with only a small battle, band of followers, and that's not true. Uh, Jesus had his band of followers, kind of his core group, uh, who he was training, but everywhere he went, he developed a following. And and he took enough time in these various areas, I'm sure, to be able to not just tell his story and and spread the message, but to begin to teach people how to go about sharing that with other people. And so, you know, Jesus, in the, in that sense of the word, uh, I guess was a you know was a true uh, direct sales associate, if you will, because he realized that the power of spreading his message was going to come not from him. It was going to come from the leverage he created by spreading his message and teaching other people how to spread that message. And that's how the Christian church has grown to be the, you know, the behemoth that it is in the world today, where almost every country on the face of the earth has an overwhelmingly high percentage of people uh, who profess to be Christians or have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only way that that's happened is through word of mouth marketing. You know, you tell someone who tells someone else who tells someone else, and that it was a deliberate thing. And so Jesus had that that sort of logistical support, if you will, through the network that he created to go out and and share the gospel. And he was teaching his disciples to do the same thing. And after he died, uh, and in the book of Acts, uh, after the the Holy Spirit came. Uh, that's exactly what the disciples did. They went from there to the ends of what was then, you know, the populated world and spread the gospel. And uh, and it was really amazing at the effect that they had. Um, another thing we're going to touch on just before we take a break here is learn a little humility. Um, the And I'm going to read from Briner here. He says, the image of the insufferably arrogant business executive is too close to reality for comfort. In my own career, I've seen examples of unbelievable arrogance on the part of top business executives, 
And I'm sure I have displayed an unseemly amount myself, and I think that applies to a lot of us, myself included. I've also seen this arrogance come back to haunt those who came to believe in their own invulnerability. And that's one of the things we have to be very, very careful about, because I think that on the one hand, if you're going to be um, successful, you have to have a level of confidence and you have to be able to communicate that confidence to people so that people will look at you and say, boy, this, this fellow or this woman really knows what they're talking about. And, and you can establish credibility in many ways, or at least initially, by having that level of confidence in who you are and the knowledge of what you do. But there is a very, very fine line between confidence and arrogance. And arrogance turns people off. So don't fall into the trap of arrogance. Not only is it unseemly, it's bad business, Uh, especially if you're running a small business or if you're a solopreneur like I am. uh, You know, being arrogant about what you do is going to kill your opportunity for business because it, it moves you from that level of confidence of people saying, gee, this guy seems to really know what he's talking about to who in the world do you think you are? Uh, And so you've got to be very, very careful uh, that you don't cross over that line. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. So don't touch that radio bio. We'll be back with another segment of The Gary Smith Show. My organization asked me to find a speaker for one of our major events. I didn't know where to turn until a friend recommended that I contact Gary Smith. Gary was easy to work with and affordable. He designed and delivered an amazing program that met all of our needs. This is Gary Smith. If you're looking for a speaker who will entertain, educate, and inform your audience, call me at 203-599-1467 to discuss your specific requirements. I speak on a wide range of business, personal development, and spiritual topics, and I'll create a program that is guaranteed to please. Again, I'm Gary Smith, and I look forward to your call. 203-599-1467. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn earrings today. Buckle up, Sarah. Michaela's got, like, the best earrings. Sarah, buckle up. I wish my name was Michaela. We're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I wonder if there's pizza at school today. It can be tough getting through to kids, but it's your job to make sure they're wearing your seatbelts. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Bright skies on the warm side this afternoon across the Connecticut Valley mid-80s. Low to mid-60s under partly cloudy skies tonight. A tad warmer, mostly sunny tomorrow. The air mass still fairly dry mid to upper 80s. Quite warm Monday with bright skies, upper 80s. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Okay, welcome back to the Gary Smith Show. Hope you're enjoying the show today as we're continuing to talk about the management methods of Jesus, uh, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Business by Bob Briner. As we continue on, another thing I think that's really, really important is uh, what Briner refers to is sharing the glory. Uh, And by that, he means praise those who work for you and not only praise them, but do it publicly. Um, That will gain uh, so much more mileage for you. Uh, And that's that's one of the things that I have noticed over my career is one of the things I've always tried to focus on is to give people credit for what they do and not just going to them and saying, hey, I really appreciate what you did. 
but you know, but doing something and and then shouting it from the rooftops so that everybody knows how much you appreciate that individual and and, and what they did. And I'll, I'll give you an example from my uh, from my days in engineering. Uh, I was working as a project engineer for a company. And my job was uh, designing and building machinery uh, for export. It was assembly machinery that was going to be exported to other um, other companies and other manufacturing plants around the world. And so we were doing brand new designs of things. And as you can imagine, when you're you know when you're dealing with complex machinery, everything is not always going to go as it uh, as you think it will. Well, one morning I came in and I had a ritual where I would come in, uh, I would check my messages, I would go to the coffee pot, get a cup of coffee, and then I would head out to the tool room uh, to talk with the tool makers and the electricians out there who were building my machines. And one morning there was a, a, an elderly uh, English gentleman who was one of my primary tool makers. And when I walked into the tool room, he was sitting at his bench and he was waiting for me. And uh, as I walked over to him, he had this kind of Cheshire cat grin on his face. And as I approached him, he said, boy, did I save your little pink behind this morning? And I looked at him and said, all right, what's going on? And he said he pointed to a blueprint and and a particular hole that was supposed to go through a piece of steel. And he said, you see that bloody hole there? And I said, yeah. And he said, it's in the wrong place. And I said, well, I appreciate you catching that. You know, and he said, you don't understand. He said, I put it in the right place. But he said, if it had been any other engineer in this place, the hole would have gone where the blueprint said to put it. And I said, well, why would you do that for me? And he said, because you've always worked with me and you've always given me credit for what I do. Whenever I come to you with an idea, if you can use the idea, you will use it and you'll give me credit for it and you'll tell my boss about it and you'll tell your boss about it. And he said, if you can't use the idea, if it's not going to work for one reason or another, you always come back and tell me it won't work and you tell me why. And you and I have that kind of relationship, so I'm willing to bend over backwards to help you. And that's, you know, that's the importance of sharing the glory is that it begins, you know, it's not just a matter of giving somebody credit, but it's allowing that to build the relationship, to build that trust uh, between people. And when you do that, when you have that kind of free, open relationship, then people will open up and they will share their experience. They'll share their knowledge. They'll, sh- they'll share their ideas with you so that you have the opportunity to be able to learn and grow. And overall, both of you are much more happy working together. But on top of that, the business grows because you're getting the best ideas out there and they're going to work to profit the company. So that becomes really, really, really important. Kind of hand in hand with that is to say thank you. It's impossible, especially in business today, to say thank you too many times. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, the first things that I was always told was that the, um, you know, the three most important words in the world were please and thank you. And, and always when you went, you know, anywhere you went, if I went to a friend's house and I wanted a drink of water, it wasn't, you know, can I have a glass of water? It was, please, may I have a glass of water? And when I got the glass of, glass of water, it was, thank you very much. You know, those sorts of things. And we have, as a society, we have gotten away from that today. And I think a lot of the reason for it is is that we tend to look at people, especially in business, we tend to look at people and the work that they do and say, well, it's part of his job. Why should I thank him for that? And yet stop and think about it. In the work that you do, how do you feel when somebody comes up and pats you on the back and just says, you know, hey, John, that was a great job. 
or hey, thanks for catching that that little detail, uh, or thanks for doing that uh, for me. I really appreciate that. And it can be something that's above and beyond, but it can also be something that's just part of their normal job where they're not expecting to get recognized uh, for anything. And that, I think, is the real key is catch people when they're not expecting to be recognized or thanks for, thanked for something and say thank you and make a habit of it. Do it often. Everywhere you go, do it. Uh, and you do it for two important reasons. Number one, you know, the, um, the person that you're dealing with likes to be thanked. And especially if you use their name, I mean, stop and think about it. You know, what's the most important, one of the most important things to a person, their own name. And when you recognize them and don't just don't say thank you, but, you know, thank you, John, for doing that for me. Um, you know, they, they really, really like that. You know, you know, so you do it because people enjoy hearing it, but you also do it because it's the right thing to do. People want to be appreciated for who they are and what they accomplish. They want to be recognized. And the more you do that, the more invested they feel, the more cared for they feel, and the more they're going to give to the work that they do because they know that the people they work with and work for truly appreciate what what it is that they do. So say thank you. Uh, as, as I said, you know, it's it's impossible to say thank you too much. Stay in touch with real people. One of the things that I have noticed over the years is that as people, um, I've worked in a number of organizations and have served a number of organizations where uh, the fellows who are at the top of the company, the vice presidents and the presidents of the company, started off on the shop floor and they worked their way up through the business. And the thing that I have always been impressed with is those people who still maintain contact with people on the shop floor, people who still deal with real people. And that's a struggle because the higher you rise in an organization, the busier you are, the more work outside the business in working with customers and developing new relationships and things like that, the more of that you do. So the more you tend to be drawn away from uh, the organization. And you can't do that. Because if the people um, in the organization who know you feel that they've been left behind, that's going to cause a problem ultimately in your business because they're, they're going to feel that you no longer have a connection with them or that they're not connected to you and that you really don't care. And I'll give you an example of this. A number of years, this is going back 30 years ago, uh, I worked for a company uh, and there, were, uh, there was a fellow who was the chairman of the board who had started out in the shop and worked his way up to chairman of the board of this two two plus billion dollar company. And there was another gentleman who had been brought in from the outside who was the president of the company. And the way this particular company was structured is right in the middle of the uh, their main manufacturing plant, there was a four-story uh, tower that rose up, and that tower housed all of the executives. And they had a private entrance so that the executives could drive in, park outside this tower, go up, and really never have any contact with the, uh, you know, with the manufacturing part of their business. And that's exactly what the president did. He would come in every morning, park his car, hit the elevator up to the fourth floor, done. Well, the fellow who was the chairman of the company uh, didn't even bother to park in the executive parking lot. He parked in the employee parking lot and walked through the manufacturing plant every day on the way to his office. He knew those people, and those people knew him, and they felt very connected to him. And I was out on the shop floor one morning when this gentleman came through, and he hollered out across the shop to one of the workers and says, Hey, Joe, how you doing this morning? 
Uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, that Kate was in the hospital and had some surgery. How's she doing? Is she back home? Is everything going okay? Is there anything you need me to do? Now, when you're the chairman of a $2 billion corporation and you walk through the shop and you have that kind of a conversation with somebody, how do you think everybody around that shop feels? This guy really cares. He's really, really good about what he does, and he's connected to those people. And those are the kinds of things that build successful businesses. So stay in touch with real people. Kind of hand-in-hand with that is be responsive. Never put anyone on hold. It's not a good thing. Uh, When you commit to getting back to somebody, get back to them. Um, That is really, really important. And and by by that, I'm trying to say to do it in a timely manner, Um, you know, especially when it's a commitment on your end. You know, if I uh, if if one of my clients uh, contacts me and says, you know, hey, I need this information. Um, When do you think you can get around to doing it? If I say I'll have it for you by the close of business tomorrow, by the close of business tomorrow, they have it because that's a personal commitment that I made to them. I will find a way to get it done. And most of the time, if I say by close of business, by noontime the next day, it's in their hands. So I'm careful about the commitments that I make based on what I think I can accomplish. But when I make that commitment, when I drive that stake in the ground, I'm committing to deliver something to them. And and that's the way we need to be. Uh, when you when somebody calls up and says and you say, I'll call you back. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong if someone calls up and you're in the middle of a meeting and you say, hey, can I call you back in a half an hour, 45 minutes or something like that? And they say, yeah, fine. You know, don't blow them off and then call them five hours later and say, gee, I'm just getting around to calling you back because that sends a message that you don't care about me. You know, you said you'd call me back in 45 minutes. I mean, how many times have you been in a situation where um, you've done something like call your doctor's office and they say, you know, well, I'll have so-and-so give you a call back and you never heard from them? You know, those sorts of things, you know, or when you call, uh, you know, call the garage you know, and you have a question about your car, and the guy says, oh, I'll get back to you, you know, and you never hear from him, or it's three or four days before the guy gets back to you. How do you feel about continuing to do business with people like that? Probably not very good. But when you when you call in and somebody says, you know, hey, I'll get right back to you, and within 15 minutes you get a call back, that says, you know, you're at the top of somebody's priority list, that you, and that makes you feel important, uh, and it makes you realize that these people are committed to to customer service. They believe in getting back. They believe in giving information. So that stuff becomes very, very important. So always be responsive. Get back to people when you say you're going to. Um, don't neglect public speaking. Um, you know, of course, Jesus was a, a masterful speaker. You know, he drew large crowds wherever he you know wherever he went. Yeah, and and literally any list of great public discourses would have to include things like the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's it's a classic. Uh, it really is. But too many executives fail to use the platforms their positions give them to inspire and to inform. Uh, and that's where that's an executive's responsibility. If you're a business owner. Part of your responsibility in communicating and public speaking, whether it's in the community uh, or whether it's dealing with people within your business, your job is to inform people about what's going on. Uh, I think I mentioned to you one company that I worked for a number of years ago where we actually had monthly communications meetings with all of our employees. And we would do two different meetings, one for the night shift 
you know, one for the day shift. And we would sit down and, and literally open up the books and we would talk about we had a, you know, a regular meeting where we had certain segments where we dealt with what's the company doing financially? What were our sales last month compared to what Target was? What were our profits? Where did we, uh, you know, where did we run into problems? If our profits were not what we expected, what was the root cause of that? And where do we need people's help? Uh, what's marketing doing? What new customers are we courting and, and how are things going and what does it look like as far as what we think we have the opportunity to do as far as, you know, business for the rest of the year? What's research and development working on? Are there any new technologies that we're playing with and, and what's the status of those? When do we think we might bring those to market and what do we think the impact on our marketplace is going to be? What specifically do we need to have the employees work on? And we also use that as an opportunity to recognize employees in the business who had made an outstanding contribution, you know, people who had come up with an idea that maybe saved the company five or ten or twenty thousand dollars, and we would not only recognize them in front of the room for their contribution, but we'd also give them a portion of that financial reward uh, as a way to be able to not only inform people but to inspire people and saying, you know, hey, if you get out there and you've got some great ideas and you generate some savings for the company, the same thing can happen for you. So don't neglect that platform that you've been given. You know, uh, and hand-in-hand hand with that, when we talk about things like profitability, is cut your losses. Don't let pride or stubbornness keep you in a market in which you don't belong. You know, that was one of the things that Jesus was, uh, you know, was good about. He would go and he would spread the gospel, but every once in a while he'd run into a place where it became very, very obvious that he wasn't wanted there. And when he wasn't wanted there, he didn't stay. He left, go on to something else, because he was concerned about spreading his message to those people who wanted to hear it, those people who were ready to receive it. And if you weren't ready to receive it, that's fine. I'm out of here. I'll go somewhere else. And it's the same thing for you know for businesses. Um, how many times, and maybe you've been in this situation, but how many times do you have you read about companies uh, that have literally gone down the tubes because they tried to get in, they tried to stay in a market where they didn't belong. Or they tried to create a market that didn't exist, uh, and they didn't have a lot of good luck doing it. Uh, so be very, very careful about that, and and study the markets that you're in. And if you're if you don't belong in that market, if you're not making money there, that's fine. Move on, you know. But but take your losses, uh, you know, before before it's too late. When it comes to communication, uh, you know, with your employees, learn how to rebuke. Now, now, rebuke is an archaic word. You know, we don't hear it much in our contemporary language. But there are occasions when a good old-fashioned old rebuke or correction should be the action of choice. You know, it should be used sparingly. You've got to use it judiciously, but there are times when it's appropriate. Uh, and Jesus effectively demonstrated how to use a rebuke. You know, he saved his harshest reprimands for the insufferably proud and arrogant Pharisees and supply, surprisingly for his closest disciples, too, when they displayed pride and, and arrogance. Um, but the key to it is, is that, you know, the rebuke that you give, I, I think a lot of times when we're disciplining people, especially when we're giving somebody a strong rebuke, um, it can it cannot be effective because we don't do it with the right attitude, and the attitude needs to be that I'm rebuke. You know, my rebukes are reserved for those people I care about and those people I respect the most. 
And it needs to be handled in that way is that, I, you know, it's kind of like with your children. You know, if your kid does something wrong and you need to punish your kids, you know, you need to, they need to get the message that I'm doing this not because you've done something wrong and I have to punish you. You're doing something, I, you're, I'm doing this because I care so much about you that I want to make sure that you stay on the right road. And I care enough about you to tell you the way it is and confront you with it and let you know what needs to happen. And when you do that and you frame it that way, yeah, the rebuke still stings, but but people know that you're doing it because of the depth of your caring, uh, not just for your business, but more importantly, your depth of personal caring for them, that you care enough to tell them about it rather than just letting them go ahead and fail. And so that becomes a very, very important uh, important way to, to handle things. And then um, the other thing is is that um, you need to be the kind of leader who appreciates and rewards those who will tell you the truth, no matter how distasteful that truth may be. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a situation where um, you worked for a manager or a company president or something like that that just wanted to surround himself or herself with yes people? Every idea that he had was the greatest thing in the world, and you you dare not go up against him. Uh, because if you said, well, what about this, or well, I'm not sure that that's going to work, that brought down uh, you know, fire and brimstone from that individual. You felt his or her wrath on you uh, if you disagreed with them. Every successful leader that I know, uh, you know, people who have been super successful for a long period of time are always open, and they surround themselves with people and will tell them, I, I want you to tell me what's going on. And if I am contemplating a decision and you think it's a boneheaded choice, I want you to tell me. I don't want to go down the wrong road. Now, does that necessarily mean that I'm always going to take your advice? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that I want to hear it and that I will never shoot the messenger and that I will always respect you for telling me the truth and and telling me what you think and why. Uh, And when you do that, you ultimately wind up with a group of people working with you who know how to think for themselves, and they know that you respect their ideas. And so when you're asking for ideas, people will give you ideas because you're not shooting the messenger. You're not going to make anybody look bad. You're going to take the input, and if you can use the input, you'll use it. If you can't, you'll let them know why. And that becomes, again, one of those things that builds a relationship. It builds trust. It builds closeness. It says we can say anything and everything, uh, you know, and we can get it out on the table uh, and and that way, ultimately, we get to better solutions, and, and that's what we really want. We want solutions to problems. With that, we're going to take another quick break, and we will be right back with the final segment of our show for today, so stay tuned. I've owned this company for a long time. I love what I do, but things keep getting more and more challenging. Taxes, the economy, global competition, they're coming together in a way that may put me out of business if I don't find a better, more cost-effective way of doing things. You want a better future for you and your loved ones. You feel that you have what it takes, but you just don't know where to start. I can help. My name is Gary Smith. I come alongside you to help you design a plan for your amazing future. Then I mentor you through the implementation process until you're well on your way to achieving your goals. Don't wait another second. Call me now at 203-599-1467 or email me at gary at optex.com for a free, no-obligation consultation. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, 
I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Temps will continue to inch upward across the Connecticut Valley through early next week. Be quite warm by Tuesday. In the meantime, bright skies through the afternoon, mid-80s, and the low to mid-60s tonight. Mostly sunny, mid to upper 80s tomorrow. Mostly sunny, upper 80s by Monday. Randy Berkson with the WSDK Weather Update. Okay, welcome back uh, to our final segment here on the Gary Smith Show. It's been so great having you guys on with us today and uh, just really looking forward to uh, to wrapping up today's uh, show. We've got three other areas that I want to uh, touch on today as we wrap up that I think are really, really important for us. Number one is to learn to be a risk taker. Uh, in business and in life in some respects, that is really, really important. Um, anyone who thinks that Jesus would advocate only a stodgy, ultra-conservative business philosophy has never read or understood the parable of the talents in Matthew uh, chapter 25. Because in this story, Jesus describes how a man goes away on a journey and he entrusts sums of money to his workers to handle it for him while he's away. He entrusted the most money to the ones with the most ability. That makes sense. And those who invested the funds and multiplied them earned the man's praise. However, the one who buried the funds and entrusted to him and returned only the amount he was given received the man's wrath. The lesson in this particular parable is that we are to multiply our assets by investing them wisely. Now, Jesus clearly knew that there are risks involved in investing, but the servants who doubled the money entrusted to them are put forth as good examples to us all. So as as business owners, you know, we're entrusted with money and we're to grow uh, that money. We're to grow those assets. So it's not our, our job is not to preserve our capital, but to grow it. That's what God expects us to do. Uh, and And by doing that, and I, and I think part of it is is not just to be – I mean, there's a lesson here in stewardship that says you've been given a certain set of talents. When you think about assets, assets can fall into a bunch of different categories. I mean, assets can be uh, physical resources, buildings, machinery. Um, assets can be money, cash. Uh, but assets can also be human ability, uh, the learning that you have, the experiences that you've had in life. How are you multiplying those things, all of those things, through other people? So part of it is about being good stewards, but part of it is what is the output of being a good steward? Being a good steward is a blessing to other people. It allows you to bless the lives of many other people 
and it allows you to continue to teach good things to other people who can then take those things and put them, take that knowledge that you're imparting, like we talked about before, and put that knowledge to work so that it becomes powerful to them and helps them to grow. So being a risk taker uh, and being willing to get out there and doing the things that need to be done is really, really important uh, to being a, to being successful in business. The last two that I want to hit you with today, and there are others in this book. Uh, it, as I mentioned, I think last week, the, the book is actually out of print. It's called The Management Methods of Jesus by Bob Reiner. You may be able to find a copy of it on uh, like a half.com or eBay or something like that. But the last two topics I want to talk about today is one, the first is stop worrying. You know, there's a, a world of difference between planning and worrying. Uh, Jesus had a lot to say about worry. He saw it as both counterproductive and evidence of a lack of faith. And he always said to, you know, to everyone he encountered, and he said it firmly, not to worry at all. You know, and as I said, there's a world of difference between planning and worrying. We're admonished to plan carefully and even, and even in the process of planning to sweat the small stuff. Uh, planning and paying attention to the details are positive activities because we can make positive things happen as a result. Worry, on the other hand, is by definition useless fretting about things over which we have no control, and it produces no positive results whatsoever. In fact, it actually produces negative results. It sucks up, it sucks the life out of you, it sucks the emotional energy out of you. Uh, and I agree with what Brian is saying here. I mean, you know, one of the um, one of the things that I've always advocated as part of project planning is that you have to get into the details and you have to plan down to a sufficient level of detail that you can ask yourself and have a good answer to this one question. And that is, if something is going to get screwed up, when and where is it going to happen? And then you can begin to be proactive in saying, how am I going to avoid that? Or what contingency plans do I need to have in place at critical junctures of the project where if something's going to go wrong, it probably will. And if you do that, you've done good project planning. You've got a good plan, but you've also mitigated the need to worry about it because you've thought it through. And and that's uh, that, I think, is important. You know, so please don't worry. You know, um, you know, in in the scripture, God has told us that he will you know, he won't give us everything we want. But he will give us everything we need. So if he's going to provide everything I need, what am I going to worry about? You know, I've got the, you know, the creator of the universe on my side saying he's got my back and he's going to take care of me. So what am I sweating the small stuff for? And finally, what I want to leave you with today is be a servant. The surest way to success for a business executive is to put his employees and his customers first. In effect, to become a servant to them and meet their needs. When you put other people first as a business owner, when you put your employees first, and when you really focus on providing the highest quality um, products and services to your customers, when you get out there and you build relationships with your customers, when you tell your employees how to build relationships with your customers and you set that example, you're not only setting yourself up for tremendous success, but you're setting yourself up for longevity in your business so that you're going to continue to bless many people as the years go by, not only in, in enriching the lives of your customers, but in giving security of employment to those people uh, who are your employees and associates who are relying upon you to make good business decisions. 
you know, and, uh, you know, Jesus said in the New Testament that he who is greatest among you will be the servant of all. Uh, and again, it, it's what's in our minds. Why are we doing this? We're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because by being a servant, we ultimately help other people. And as a result, sort of as a byproduct of that, you know, we kind of get elevated in the world, if you will, but the goal is not to be elevated. The goal, goal, the goal is to do what's right and to really have a heart of, of service and a heart of caring for other people and for your customers. So with that, I am going to begin to wind down here on this uh, this edition of The Gary Smith Show. Uh, thank you so much for being along with us today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on this book. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be off. Uh, we're going to have a replay of the show. But the following week, uh, my guest is going to be Emily Shoup. Uh, she's been on the show a couple of times before, but she's going to be back with us, and we're going to be talking about a subject that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and that is the subject of mission statements uh, and the value of that to you both personally and in business. So with that, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the beautiful day out there. Live your life on purpose, and I'll see you again live in a couple of weeks. Take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.